1: This is an Anfield Rap special in association with Redbet. Redbet were pleased to partner with them for the entirety of 2018. Uh, and this is a special where Josh Sexton talked to Callum Smith first and foremost. Callum was Sam, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was. Dad, nice fella, yeah. And, and a younger brother just like me, which uh, which meant I could put myself well, in his
1: shoes. Well, we had all four of the Smith brothers all together. And I think that happens very often. And I did a, a podcast for Redbet with them, which was meant to be about the Derby, but it just became about everything. <laughs> but they were just such, they were such a good laugh. And they're a proper team. That's the thing I love about yeah. them. They are a proper team. They back each other up. But they absolutely slow. Each other as well. That's the funny thing.
0: Like I, I, I was mentioning to Callum about the sort of competitiveness. Does it does it bring it out in each of them? And, it, and he said mainly they were supportive, and it, it, it almost made you think, oh, there's no arguments between these. And they got on <laughs> the podcast and
1: couldn't wait to tear into each other, which is amazing. It was amazing. It's a really good interview. So thank you very much indeed to everyone at Redsbe for helping make it happen, and Hotel Tier as well. We were there to do it, uh, and it all went beautifully smoothly. They went on and did an event after this, but it's just sexed and talking to Callum Smith.
0: I asked another Amphirop Up special in association with Redsbet here at Hotel Tier, and i Road with a uh, Calamundo Smith. Callum, I've been reading a bit of research about your own nickname today. Can you tell us about that?
2: I explained this to his before. <laughs> hey, yeah. When I was a kid, I was a big fan of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, obviously Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, Raphael. And my dad used to call me Calamundo, say, yeah. you're the fifth one. <laughs> and then the Cal got dropped and Mundo stuck and it's just stuck with me ever since. I'm into yeah. it to be fair. Yeah, can't so It, like, it, it means world in Spanish, so it looks like a bit of a, <laughs> yeah, a, bit of a omen. So your professional record
0: is uh, 25-0, 18 by knockout, you're the current holder of the WBA, Super World, Ring Magazine and WBC Diamond Super Middleweight titles and you're ranked number one Super Middleweight in the world. It's not bad that, is yeah, it? Yeah, sounds
2: <laughs> good to me you need it out like that. <laughs> yeah.
0: And uh, so you grew up less than a mile away from here, less than a mile away from Manfield. I assume, like most, you probably pl- uh, dreamed of playing for Liverpool as a kid.
2: Yeah, it did. I did. everything every kid, especially in Liverpool, not the big football and city dreams of being a footballer it just so happened that I had three older brothers who all boxed and I was around boxing more than I was football and probably a little bit better at boxing than I was football as a kid so just had to put all my efforts into that and you know, thankfully it's worked out
0: So what sort of age did boxing come into the equation then? Was that something that was influenced by your brothers like you say though?
2: Um, Yeah I was always just in and around it I was going to watch my brothers winning national titles up and down the country and uh, to be honest with you, I used to just mess about in the gym I was probably a pain for the coaches but Starts taking a little bit serious. Ten and eleven. I my first fight at eleven, and it's one of them. It's like a bug. Once you do it, you, you kind of get addicted to it, and I've stuck at it ever since. And oh, I managed to win a few national titles, and I think that's kind of makes you believe in yourself a little bit more and believe that you can go on and achieve more. And I say I'm I'm where I am today because I've stuck at it. You get a lot of talented fighters who. Don't stick at it, and no, they are a waste of talent. Whereas, if you if you stick to it and keep working hard, then you can go as far as you want.
0: And once you did start to take it seriously, were the dreams immediately that you, that you would become a pro one day,
2: or that sort of come a bit later once you got a bit more seriously into it? Um, a bit of both, I think. It's something I always dreamed of doing, but the reality of it happening, happening, will probably well not as much as I thought. I thought it was a given that I'd go on and be a pro and achieve big things. But you, like I said, you see a lot of fighters who who don't quite make it, but i say i just stuck at it, Seeing all my brothers turn professional and I tried to achieve as much as I could in the amateur before turning pro, I turned pro at 22 and I feel I was, that was the right age to do it, if I'd turn pro any earlier I feel I was still, I was still a boy when I was 20, 21. I feel I matured a bit and I, say, I think every, every choice I've made in my career has always probably been the right
0: one. You mentioned the amateurs that did win a few titles and also defeated quite a few tricky opponents within that time. When did you start to have conversations about taking it to the Olympic stage? Did they sort of come once you'd really establish yourself as an amateur?
2: Yeah, I turned senior and you know, the aim was to get on the GB team. I got on the GB team, you get funding so it kind of becomes a full-time job. So then obviously you have to take it a little bit more serious and the aim was always I you want know, to go to Commonwealth Games and go to the Olympic Games. They're the two big tournaments, the high profile tournaments and they're the ones I wanted to go before I turned professional. Obviously i have done the common games and you no know, just come up short for for the Olympics but in the time in the build up to the Olympics I had a lot of international experience that I do feel improved me as a fighter before turning professional and or made me start as a professional a little bit easier.
0: And with the London 2012 Olympics approaching, you had the you had a great opportunity to be the first in your family to represent Team GB, but you got yeah. it taken away for you by two uh, frankly shite decisions, uh, yeah. t- to be honest. Yeah. Uh, how hard is it for you at that point, though, when you had
2: to handle that disappointment? Yeah, it was it was tough at the time. You know, looking back now, I think, would I have had a, a better career if I did go to the Olympics? Probably not. No, I wouldn't swap my career for for, for any of the Olympians who did go, but it's at the time when it's something that was drilled into you every day in the gym, it was London 2012, London 2012, and to have it took away, I think if i had lost fair and square, then I'd have probably been accepted I probably wasn't good enough to go, but the way things turned out, I knew I was good enough to be there, and I probably should have been there, so it was a, a tough pill to swallow, and probably made me start in the pro with that little bit tougher, you know, I weren't as big a name as I would have been, I didn't get the start treatment that I probably would have got, but like I said, a few years down the line, the Olympics was... No, I kind of made my own name in the professionals, and I was doing it then when it when it actually mattered. But no, I'd still I still loved to have been an Olympian, but. It is what it is.
0: And you mentioned the star names and getting the star treatment there. Obviously, Josh, Anthony Joshua is a yeah. big one who comes from that, but there's also Anthony Ogogo who wins medals, yeah. Luke Campbell, Fred Evans as well. Was, did you have a sort of thought when you see seeing them thinking that should have been me, that, or yeah. was it more just that you, you thought it was going to come anyway? Yeah,
2: I remember no, actually watching the boxing didn't really bother me. It was more just the, the, the toughest part was when i seen the opening set of me at the start and all the glitz and glamour and stuff. And I remember I was sitting at home watching it thinking I got a few texts and all that which didn't help. This was maybe me dwell on a little bit more mm-hmm. but. No, I, I should have been an Olympian and home Olympics would have given me a bigger profile turning professional. But like I said, apart from probably Anthony Joshua, I wouldn't swap my career for any of the names mentioned. You did go to the Olympic Games and some of them did medal and probably got a better start, but no, you still you can turn professional with all the medals in the world, you've still got to put the hard work in and then you know, do it as a professional. It's not it's not a given. A good amateur makes a good pro. And how much of that this point feed into your decision to go pro then? Um, yeah not no. I think if I went to the Olympics, the plan was to turn professional anyway, so I was always going pro at the end of 2012, regardless of whether I made the Olympic team or not. It just probably gave me a bit more drive to make sure I, you know, I got a good start as a professional through not going to the Olympics. I knew I had to make my own name to be considered with the Olympians and not get left behind.
0: And so when you do turn pro and match room, obviously, obviously come to you. Is that is that how it happened? Did Eddie Hearn approach you to, to go and take on with um, them or?
2: Yeah, I had a meeting with Eddie, I had a meeting with a couple of other promoters. You know, the best advice I got. Like I said, I've always been the youngest of four brothers, so I've always I've seen what they've done and good and bad. And I've been around boxing a long time and I wasn't just gonna go and pull all my eggs in one basket. I spoke to other promoters and I just felt match room with the with the right right team for me at the time. I'd seen other People got off GB, turned pro just before me. Kyle face Scott Cardle, and you know, they were fighting on good shows. And they were active, they were fighting once a month, once every two months, which is what I feel you was know, important when you're starting off in the pros and you're fired your feet. You need to be active, you need to fight. And match room were delivering that. So, you no, know, I made a choice, and you know, looking back now, it was, the, it was the best choice I made.
0: And you decided to team
2: up with Joe Gallagher as your coach as well. Was that a decision yeah. that you say is informed by your brothers so? then? Um, yeah, and no, obviously, just because they were there. It doesn't mean I was going to go there, but I went and done a few sessions up with Joe, and my brothers, and you know, just I think it was in the summer of 2012, they were going to LA for a training camp and I went over as a bit of a holiday really and done a bit of sparring over there and just working with Joe up close kind of made me decision for me. You know, I felt he was the best best coach for me at the time and the atmosphere in the gym with the likes of my brothers and Anthony Carroll and Scott Quick at the time, that was definitely a place where I wanted to start my career
0: and You won your first two pro fights on points, but then you started uh, getting quite yeah. a few first round stoppages from that point. When, when do you start to sort of have the conversations about taking on bigger fights? Does that happen with Eddie at some point? You go, oh, I want someone who's a, who's a bit more challenging than these bums. Uh,
2: yeah, and yeah, I know it's just as I said before, I've never picked an opponent. They you no, know, I've got that's why I signed with matching, that's why I go with Job, or That's their job, I'm, my job's just to train and get fit and, and get in and put a performance in. But I think when I was winning so many fights in one round, I had to be stepped up and, and then i win again in one round and the, I probably stepped up at the English level a little bit earlier than what I should have but through, you know, I was winning a lot of fights early and it's just I think everything happens for a reason. You step up at the right times and that's what having a good team does. You don't get stepped up too early and you don't step up too late whereas you get into bad habits and become stale. It's all about progressing at the right rate and I feel my career has been perfect for that. And in your eighth fight, you win the English super middleweight title yeah. in the Olympia. How special was that to celebrate your first pro title in front of a home crowd? Yeah, it was good. It was a good night for us all on the same bill. My brother Liam won the British title and Paul, Stephen and Liam were all British champions at the same time, which had never been done. And I was English champion probably because Paul was British champion at my weight, or that as, as i probably been British champion. So I think as a... F- whole as a family. It was a very good night for us and a very special one. And
0: November 2015 is the blockbuster for you, obviously, when you take on Rocky Field. And uh, how big a moment was that in your career, particularly given Rocky's record at the time as 21-0? Yeah,
2: at the time, no, I, was, I think he was 21-0. It was no, a step up for me as well as him. And I think we're both being from Liverpool. There was a lot of local interest for it. There was a lot of pressure on that fight. No, I couldn't have lost that fight. And it was the fight that I was always confident I was, I was going to win. I was the better man and I just needed the chance to show it and I think I showed on the night. No, I was a couple of levels above him. Yeah, I think, but, you'll think you think before probably did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it was good. No, regardless yeah. of the rules, it was good to finally get, get hold of the British title and not be the four-putter to do it. I think it's never been done and I think if it is beaten, it'll be a very long time before it is.
0: When you say you think you showed your class here, you obviously dropped him three times in, <laughs> yeah. in the first round, which I think I think should probably do it to yeah. be honest. But you go 18 and 0 yourself after that. You must have known at that point that you're just ready to take on anyone
2: to be honest at that point. Yeah, I No, I think that win kind of made people sit up and take notice of me. And again, if I had a box for the world title fight after would I have won it. I don't know. I think it's all about timing. And I think each time I've stepped up, I've always delivered. And no however it happened for a reason, and no, I didn't get me world title shot till. 2018 but it turned out right and you know, I was ready to take the shot and I feel I'm ready to stay at the top for, for a long time.
0: And then your next fight you win the EBU European Super Middleweight title uh, you quoted a saying at the time you were happy because it's a title that your brothers hadn't won. Yeah. Is, is that sort of has that always fed you this rivalry between them particularly you being the youngest brother has that competition always spurred you on? Uh,
2: yeah and know we always support each other you know we have jokes and stuff but seeing what they achieve makes me believe I can go on and achieve it. and I think that vice versa they'd always say the same you no, know, we always push each other and, and there's an old saying success breeds success and I think we are proof of that and it was nice to win the European title because every title you know, brought the British title home and you bring it to show the family and you're know, is that the one? <laughs> the, the novelty wears off a little bit by the time I win it but the other team was one that you know, I was the first once again, and I think I'm still the only one to get. So.
0: It's probably for the best to support each other to be fair because I've yeah. got two older brothers and the fights yeah. in our house were bad so I can't yeah. imagine what it would have been like in yeah. yours if, if that was going on. Uh, but you, you had to bide your time when, even though you were the mandatory challenger at that point uh, before you get the chance in the Super Series which will obviously come on to a bit later on. But How frustrating was that sort of knowing that you, that you were the mandatory challenger but having to wait for that
2: opportunity? Yeah, it was frustrating especially when no, the minute I stepped up the ring after beating Mohammed becoming mandatory, you just assume your next fight's gonna be for a world title. And obviously that wasn't the case. I think I had about five fights after that before I finally got it. But no, I was I was always in the gym. I was always still still improving and still working hard and no, I didn't go stale and just made sure when I did get the opportunity that I did take it. I I wasn't prepared to wait, another five fights to get another one if I didn't take this one.
0: And your next fight after winning the European Super Middleweight was a uh, was a Goodison on Bellew's undercard. What was yeah. that like as a red to be to be fighting there? Yeah,
2: it was a good, it was a good occasion to be honest with you. It were not the best of performances from yourself, but as a whole for the city, it was it was a good occasion. You know, me, Paul, and Stephen all boxed on the bill. Obviously, Bellew topped the bill, and you know, there was a lot of scouts fighters, David Price on it as well. And I remember getting up to the ring just thinking, "No, I'd love to do it myself at Anfield one day." That kind of just made a, a possibility seeing someone else do it, knowing that you no. Know, Providing i got a world title I do in the future.
0: And uh, after loads of frustration around negotiations in terms of trying to secure that title fight, uh, you get the offer to obviously appear in the World Boxing Super Series. But just before that, you had the opportunity to to fight Daryl, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, but then obviously when they're moving the goalposts again, how frustrating yeah. is that for you when, you when you think you've got your fight with De Gale and then that goes and then you think you've yeah. got your fight with Daryl a couple of times and that yeah. keeps
2: going? Yeah, that was, that was probably the most frustrating. I, I think I sat out drink for 10 months and I had no injuries. Then I was in the gym. The whole time getting told my world title fight was going to be May, then June, then July, then September and then another date in September and it was just frustrating and at the at the same time the fights in your way to get in fights and you feel like everyone's moving on without you and the World Series boxing got offered and you know, there was a lot of good fights in the one tournament but it was a tournament I was confident of winning, and I knew if I won it I'd leave it with a world title and it was a big decision to, to give up an automatic world title shot to go into a tournament where I'd have to win two fights to get one. But again, it was something I knew I was good enough to do and I felt the Darrell fight weren't happening and no, any other option was probably better than sitting around waiting for Darrell. So I took the chance and no, thankfully it did pay off in the end. And you
0: mentioned there, you obviously took the opportunity to go into the Super Series. The first two fights you have are seriously tough, obviously you win them both by unanimous decision but the second one's a late replacement for the opponent which I imagine is a a challenge enough when you've been preparing for someone else. Um, But then obviously there's the concerns around Groves as well with his shoulder uh, which are through you sort of challenge into doubt again. What was going through your mind at that point? You must
2: be thinking I'm never going to get this opportunity. Yeah, that was it. He entered the tournament and won two fights to get a world title shot and then there's rumours that he's going to leave and take his world title shot with him and Man, I was thinking, this is just my luck. It's mm-hmm. my career. I'll probably never ever fight for one. And that was frustrating. And But the minute I knew it was going to be gross, I, I didn't care how long I had to wait for, as long as the, my next fight was for a world title. If he said he weren't ready for another year, I'd have probably sat and waited the year for it. I couldn't have another fight in the meantime to keep busy. So, you no, know, I, I prepared to wait. I waited until September, and I just made sure I took it when it did come.
0: I think most people, for, for most people that came sort of sooner than we'd expected, were wondering what sort of version of Groves we'd see. Did that help your preparation going into the fight, knowing that he, he had that sort of shoulder injury later? Um,
2: no, because I say I had to prepare for the best George Groves and never didn't. And he did turn up then, I'd have been in for a shock. And throughout my whole career, I've always said, as long as I focus on myself and get myself in the best shape possible and perform the way I know I can, then I believe I can beat any super middleweight in the world. And that was the same for. For the final, I knew if I was in good shape and I turned up, then I beat whatever version of George Groves turned up.
0: And you dominated the fight up until the seventh round, even though the uh, the judges scorecards, for yeah. whatever reason, didn't seem to suggest that. Uh, and then, obviously, Rock Groves with, with the left hook and then finishing yeah. with a body shot. Uh, the referee's count must be going in slow motion at that point when you know you're on the cusp of this thing yeah. you've dreamed of for so long.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a slow count, to be fair, but as well, when I first put him down, I, I didn't expect him to stay down. I thought he'd get up and the plan was to go in and finish him, but then you no, know, I seen him shake his head and realised he weren't getting up and it was like I don't know, it was like the whole world stopped at one minute and it was just hard to process that I'd finally done what I'd waited so long to do. And you obviously dropped to your knees when when the count does hit yeah. ten, what's going through your mind at that
0: point? I know you said it's it's hard to yeah, sort of sum it out. It's just hard to
2: I like I couldn't believe it was over. It yeah. was something I've I've thought about since I was a little kid and something I'd worked so hard for and to finally achieve it was a, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a strange feeling. I felt like crying, laughing jump and scream and all mixed into one and seeing your brothers jump in the ring it was just it was a special moment for me probably them as well it was just a lifetime's work all into one night and I said I don't think that feeling will ever be beat. And in terms of the future then with uh, Fielding coming up
0: fighting Canelo there's been rumours about you fighting Golovkin maybe uh, how much would you relish a fight like that with someone who's obviously been considered before as being one of the best pound for pound boxers in the world? Yeah
2: now I'm in the sport to test myself against the best and no he definitely is that he's a very very good fighter. You no, know, he's dominated that middleweight and you know, if he decides to move up then no, I don't think there's a, a bigger fight for him as super middleweight than myself and it's definitely a fight that I'd no, I'd jump at the chance to share a ring with him and it's definitely a fight that I'd walk it in confident to winning. And if it's at Anfield as well, I, I assume that'd be a dream yeah. of yours of the boyhood, Rad. Yeah, that'll just no, I think that'll top it off. You no, know, fighting a, a name like Glovkin at Anfield. You no, know, that I think that'll probably come close to no better feeling than actually become a world champion you now I'm in the sport to tick tick boxes off what I've wanted to do and fighting at Anfield is definitely something that I would like to do so I mentioned all your
0: accomplishments at the start you got three belts you're number one in the world with big plans for the future who's your biggest
2: inspiration and what's your biggest inspiration to, to keep going in boxing um my biggest inspiration's always just been to just fulfill my potential just that day to sit in a few years time and look back and Wonder what if? What I've had to done this? What I've had to done that? And being underachieving, it's always been my biggest drive. My biggest fear has always been that. And when the world title was always the aim, and I could probably retire now, and I believe I've fulfilled my potential. But I always thought winning the world title was the top of the mountain, and now I've reached it. There's more stuff I want to achieve, and I think that's just being you no know, a sportsman. You know, you're ambitious, and you're always you're never fully satisfied and you always want more and I've won a world title and I want more. I I, I still feel there's a lot, a lot more I can achieve before I retire.
0: And raising awareness for autism it means you're always fighting the good fight and that in Yeah, that
2: definitely. You know, I've got a little sister who's severely autistic and she battles through life every day. Yeah, she's, you no, know, she's got a smile on her face and she's happy and to see her and her struggles through life makes me think my life's, my life's pretty easy and anyone I can get in the ring and have a fight with is a doddle to be fair and, it's just helping other people understand autism and know how tough it is for mum and dad to live with it 24-7. And know if people go to a restaurant and see an autistic person, know, misbehaving or whatever, then they'll think before they react and think it's just a normal kid. The nicest fella in boxing, I reckon. Yeah, thanks. Callum,
0: nice one for your time. I really appreciate it? it. That's been another up special in association with Reds, but I've been Josh Sexton.
2: Cheers. Ah, thank you, mate.
1: What was exciting when you were speaking to him there, Josh, was the the real sort of that moment of, that he's got the world at his feet, really, in an in a unbelievably exciting way. You know, it was interesting that, that he seems remarkably at peace. He seems very, very relaxed, composed, but ready to, to really kick on with with the next phase of his career. I feel like you've almost managed to interview him there at quite a, a pivotal moment, if you know what I mean, because there'll be another great interview to do, possibly in three, four years' time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He, he feels like one of them boxers who's maybe not so widely recognised, particularly in, even on a sort of nationwide level. I think you'd think of the likes of Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury before you think of a Callum Smith, but he's he's doing amazing things for Liverpool and and like you say, got the world at his feet now and, and will hopefully take on the biggest opponents and hopefully get a fight at Anfield as well.
1: Well, that 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 would be the exciting one, wouldn't it? The idea that he gets he gets that fight at Anfield and and gets to really, I think that would be the thing that would mean that the whole the whole world was talking about his boxing. I think you know a, a huge fight in front of a huge crowd would really get people get people. Banging on about how brilliant he is,
0: and I think you saw Tony Bell. after his his last fight with Ushik as well. He was he was talking about the things that he wanted to achieve in his career, and one of the ones he said was Goodison to St. Park. So as much as it would be good in, in sort of terms of a worldwide appeal, it would be amazing for Callum as well to be able to do that. I imagine
1: uh, in your home city, indeed. Uh, thank you very much indeed to Callum for taking the time to do that, and for all the Smith brothers and our partners RedsBet for helping sort that out. Callum Smith is an ambassador of RedsBet, uh, and RedsBet are partnering with us for 2018. Uh, half of their profits, uh, i.e. your losses, go. Back to Liverpool fan related causes. Uh, we're really pleased to be part of it ourselves, and those fan related causes do make sure you select one as you go. Uh, Red's bet motto is share the glory. Let's hope Callum Smith gets his Anfield fight so everybody can share in it with him. Uh, and thank you very much to them for sharing him with us. Sports Social Podcast Network.